Hello and welcome to Dream It, Dare It, Do It, Live the Life You Want. I hope that you guys are, as you listen to this podcast, that you're really looking at what is it that you truly want. And so I'm Jasmine, I'm your host. And today I have a friend of mine called Ray Smith. Hi, Ray. Hi, Jasmine. Hi, Hi listeners. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing very well. Very, very well. So I'm going to give a little intro to the, because the people who listen to my podcast, they know that what I do is I invite people on vibe. Like, you know, like a lot of the times I really, I just go like the vibe, come on the show. You know, this is what I right. do, but I'm going to give them a little, a, a little insight on who Ray is. So Ray, as you guys know, or maybe do you guys know? I don't know if you know, but I have every, for the last year, every Saturday for an hour, a group of us have been meeting and singing a cappella, a song based on whatever the theme was that week. And that's how I met Ray. Ray is one of the singers in the group. So I was, I was listening to him the other day because Ray just turned 80. Yay, Ray. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. So Ray was, I had nothing to do with it. You know? <laughs> so there are so many things that um, I want to talk to you about, but like the main thing that had me ask, you know, had me ask you to come was when you said the most important words in your your life are yes and play yes so and i play <laughs> yeah so let me let i'm gonna let you introduce yourself a little bit like more of the who you are where you're from what you do or did okay um i'm from philadelphia and um as you know i was born in 1942 and, and so it was right before baby boomers so i'm not yeah. even part of the baby boomer group. Okay. Um, but in the early days in Philadelphia, I started going to a television show, which ultimately became American Bandstand. And I was on there for a couple of years. I wasn't one of the regulars, but I was there all the time. And I learned from it. And I, I somehow got um, really attached to television. And um, when I went for school, I went to Penn State. And um, I went for labor management relations, which is totally not me. Totally not me. I don't and even I know what up, that is. <laughs> it, it, it's, lear it's learning how to deal with strikes and all that sort of thing. Oh. You know? my, father, what, my, my father was a union organizer. You know, okay. So I kind of wanted to, I wanted to be what my father was. Got it. Um, but then I, it, it didn't work for me. And ultimately... Uh, I got fired from my job. I was in insurance um, and I got fired because a friend of mine and I came in out of the rain one day and we didn't know what to do. We were soaking wet and we were like 25 minutes late from lunch. And we knew that when we got to the 15th floor, we would walk through glass doors and face 40, 40 desks. So I said to Marilyn, what did oh. what did it say? Happy trails to you. Oh. You know, it it was the Roy Rogers Dale Evans song. Okay. And I immediately got fired. 
I just, that ended my insurance career. And a friend of mine in New York said, do you want to move to New York? And I said, yes. I had no money. I had nothing, no job, nothing. I came to New York. And my first job, I was a telephone operator. The old telephone. That sticks like this there? You know? oh. One, oh, wow. one moment. One moment, please. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then someone said, no, you want something glamorous. Why don't you go to NBC? So I went to NBC and the guy said, do you want a job starting tomorrow? I said, can I have two weeks to decide? And he said, no, if you want it, you start tomorrow. And so I started in October of 1967. And I was there for 49 years. Wow. What did you do in NBC? Well, I was, I was, um, in the beginning, I was like a, a copy boy. Okay. And, and then ultimately became a writer and producer on the show. And uh, I know you can't see it, but I have an Emmy back there. Ooh, yes, I can see it. <laughs> can you see it? I can. <laughs> what, what, what show was that for? Today, the Today Show. The Today Show. Okay. Interestingly wow. enough, the Today, the Today Show started in 1952. American, American Bandstand, which was originally Bandstand, also began in 1952. So I was on these two shows that began the same year, you know. Um, wow. And, and during my time at NBC, I didn't like just being there. So I started doing stuff. I, I worked for the Jewish Repertory theater and with a group we formed our own theater company um i for three years i was with the sachu ito japanese dance theater and then for seven six years i was with the noche flamenca dance company and i went all around the world with them um and that's because you kept saying yes to every time well, <laughs> this friend of mine, Ariel, and I, we had just started taking lessons. Okay. And we were maybe like in the fifth week of lessons. And a poster went up that this couple was coming from Madrid to teach advanced flamenco. And she and I looked at each other and said, should we take it? Even though we had only five weeks of beginners. And we both said, Yes. And ultimately, you know, I, start, I started with them and became their company manager and their chairman of the board. Um, and, and then I was with a little dance company and we went around the country. Everyone in it was over 50 years old. And our thing was to get people that were 50 and older to get up and mm. walk and move and dance and all. And that was that was really fantastic. So all of these things happened outside me working for NBC. I okay. did them all together, and I got my degree. I have a degree in in uh, film criticism. Okay. So I was never sort of put into one thing. Yeah. Which some people think is not good. I think it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, well, listen, I. I'm the same. Um, our friend Nina, she she introduced me to the word multipotentialite. Oh, oh my God, I never heard that. Yeah, yeah. She she introduced me to this. She said, 
Jasmine, she <clears throat> said, you're a perfect combination of possibilities and multi-potential light or something like that and I was like okay you're going to have to tell me more because I do a little <laughs> bit of every everything you know I'm a little bit you know like like you I didn't I I went I I wanted to be like my dad and I wanted to be a businesswoman you know so I you know I was a businesswoman for a long time I actually still am and I'm helping a lot of people doing do stuff in business but I was also oops Here's my dad calling me. I forgot to uh, turn <laughs> off turn off my sound. Um, yeah, I uh, I wanted to sing, so I started singing. So I was I you know kind of did those things, and then I kind of merged my business sense into because for about five years I did open mic nights for local singer songwriters. Oh. So we had open mic nights, and and I started with open mic nights then. I had drummers come up to me and they'd say, well, can we play? Can I play? Can I invite my band? And I'd be like, we're in a little cafe. I mean, can you imagine? Like, it was like, literally, when you had 20 people in the club, you were kind of like full. Right, right, uh, And right, they wanted right. to put a band in there. And I was like, mm. so I was like, wait, let me, let me leave it with me for a little bit. So I started looking for bigger venues and then I started creating open band nights. So ah. we had like three bands per night. They all, every band had 45 minutes to play and they would play their own material and they invited their friends and family and stuff like that. And it was like so much fun. So, but I was combining, you know, my love of my passion of, of music and my business skills basically that I had, you know? So yeah, well, me, go ahead. No, I was going to say what, one of the things that I did sort of like that, well, as you know, I never thought of myself as a singer at yeah. all. Yeah. I mean, I, I was the opposite. I ran away from it. Um, even missed some opportunities in um, two shows where they wanted to cast me. And the last thing they said, can you sing? And I said, no. Mm. And so I couldn't. One was damn Yankees. And I couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, but I always danced. And when I moved to New York, I took a lot of dance classes jazz, tap, all that stuff. But it never sort of materialized for me. But when I started studying film, I started writing reviews. And that's what I did for a long time. Um, film is still my baby. I like film noir is my absolutely that's love of life. life. Yes, totally. So, so when we before we hit record on this machine, I was I was letting you know that my the thing that I want for everybody in the world <laughs> is for them to do them, you know. Yes. I want them to just live the life <clears throat> they want. Like go look look within and see inside you. What is it that you truly want to do? Like truly from your heart, not from your head, not you know. Okay, I want to be like that because. You know, uh, if I'm like that, he's going to love me or something like that, whatever it was that I made up when I did it. Um, but what is it that you want? And I know for a fact that you've learned, <laughs> you've learned how to do that for yourself in your life. So I would like to ask you a little bit like what? So you say the two most important words are yes and play. So I know that. What is one of the biggest things that you you've learned to be you? 
I think the biggest thing that I learned was to swallow fear. Mm. You know, we're all afraid of something somewhere along the line. And I think in the very beginning, I was afraid of what people would discover about me because I'm gay and I didn't want anyone to know it. (laughs) Although to look at me, you kind of know it, (laughs) you know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The nails are kind of giving it away. Kind of give, but I, 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 many, many, this is only on my 70th birthday, two people from high school came. And I said to them, I said, did you never suspect in high school I was gay? And they said, no. So I was hiding. I was hiding behind everything, you know, and it's also on a personal level. My mother was an alcoholic. And so I was always hiding myself from her. Okay. I had to be what she wanted. And so it wasn't me then you know, put another layer of being gay on top of that, who was I? And it took, that's in a way why I moved to New York. I had to get away from New York. I mean, from Philadelphia. And also my- You grew up in in a time where it was really bad to be gay. Really bad. Yeah, it was like- in, In fact, Dick Clark, he hired people to go out to certain places to see if any- they discovered any of the, because most of the boys on American Bandstand were gay. Well, maybe not most, 50% at least. And he would send people out. And if they found they're gay, they were thrown off the show. Mm. So it, that's, that was 1957, 58, 59. Yeah. So it was, it was very, very, um, you just had to hide. Yeah. You had to hide all the time. Yeah. You know, and you never um, got married. No, I never got married. I never yeah. got married. No, I moved to New York. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's like it's like marrying. So uh, were, you, were you like accepted? Is was it like a place where gay people were more accepted in in New York? Yeah, you know what's really interesting. I was in a fraternity at Penn State, and I didn't. When the president was choosing a roommate, and he chose me, I didn't go into the house because I didn't want him to know. When I got to work, I discovered the president, secretary, the treasurer, they were all gay. And I had no, and I, I was running away from them, but I wow. found in New York, they were, you know, there. And so my very first, my very first friend in New York, and my then my very best friend at NBC in New York were both gay. And so I wasn't hiding. I just, I mean, I was still hiding to my family. Yeah. And then ultimately, when parts of my family found out, I was gone. That was never included in anything after that. Wow. Um, but um, but that was it was it was liberation in a way. But I still I, never said the words. Got it. It wasn't until many years later when a young 25-year-old boy was my editor at NBC. And he came in one morning and he's really cute and very gay, although he'd hate to hear me say that. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he just said to me that one morning, hello, lady. And I just went, hello. <laughs> and I, it was that that moment, it's sort of like, okay, the cat is out of the bag. And then one of the, <laughs> the people who's working said, oh, thank God. Because... Mm. 
you know, they knew. Yeah, yeah. They knew. And once that happened, it's so funny. Everything changed. And when I was with Noche Flamenco, we were in Australia, and they wanted to interview one of the dancers and me simply because we were gay. You know, okay. flamen flamenco wasn't a thing that, you know, promoted a lot of gay anything. So, yeah. um, but that, that's, that's coming to terms with who you are. And, you know, as we speak, I am just finishing a short story that I wrote, which really is about when I was nine and my best friend and he and I, we didn't call it gay, but we had each other. And looking back at this age to that age, I think I was fortunate that I had someone in my life whom I was honest with at the age of nine, and even a little earlier. Yeah. He and I were not hiding from each other. When we were alone, we knew what we wanted. We knew what felt good. And of course, it wasn't sex. It was, it was touching. It was feeling. Yeah. It was you know? love. And it was, it it was, was love. And love energy. That <laughs> and, it wasn't, it, and it was something that I wasn't getting at home. Mm. You know, because, because of all the... It's also, I, in, in a funny kind of way, I come from... It's so... I'm, I'm going to say it, but it's not sort of a crime family in Philadelphia. Okay. There was, there was a lot of crime. There was a lot of mafia. There was a lot of, uh, there was two assassinations and all that stuff. And I just had to get away from all of that. Mm. Now I can write about it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's been a few years, right? So it's been a few years. <laughs> Now you're safe. You can write about it. You can talk. Well, and, and they're all dead. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> all dead. <laughs> but I, I had, I had one cousin who was in the witness protection, you know, thing, and she wanted to come home. And I said, "What is she going to do? She's 91. <laughs> <laughs> She's had this other life for 70 years. Yeah. Why does she want to go home?" She said, "He said because no one can hurt her anymore." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So let me let me let me ask you. I want to I want you to talk about the word yes and play. I want you to tell me a little bit about your perspective on that. Okay, yes is um, and that that's part and parcel of the whole thing of not being always afraid. Mm. Uh, when someone asks me to do something, I think well, for instance, just two weeks ago, when I had my 80th birthday party. And somebody said, because they know what we do on Saturday. Yeah. And they said, are you, are you going to sing? My first reaction was, no, I'm not going to sing in front of 35 people. I've never. And then I said, wait a minute. I don't say no. And I said, yes. And I sang two songs, you know, first time ever. So in front of people, but like in, in front of, in front of your friends, right? In front of 35 people. Oh my God. When I used to do that before I had a, I had a boat where from Philadelphia, I had a boat and, <laughs> and, and I would take them out in the bay and turn it off and sing because they could either jump in the water or sit and listen. <laughs> but at the party, you know, I, I, I sang for everybody, but I think when, um, my friend asked me 
do you want to move to New York? There were, there's no way I could say no. There just wasn't. You know, New York was special to me. My cousin and I and another friend, we were, ba- we were Broadway babies, as you know, from all the songs that I sing yes. and on our song share. Um, and Philadelphia was a tryout town. And so we got to see a lot of shows be created, like Funny Girl, mm, Anyone Can it. Whistle. So we would come to New York, and it was always really special. So when someone said, my roommate just got drafted, do you want to move in? I didn't tell you. I said, yes. I hadn't told my parents. Boy, were they angry. <laughs> I just said, I'm leaving. <laughs> and I moved. And I didn't speak to my parents from, I moved in January and I didn't speak to them until Easter. Mm. And my mother, my mother called and she said, so what are you doing? <laughs> like nothing happened. <laughs> but that was, that was my first big yes. The other, before that, somebody said, you want to go on bandstand? And I said, yes. So uh, I wasn't afraid to dance in front of people. So I went on that, on that show. Uh, but then when I got to New York, everything was new. Everything was new. I didn't have any, I had a few friends. Uh, well, my roommate was a friend. He was from my fraternity at Penn State. And one other, and, and then the girl that I sang with in the insurance company, she quit when I got fired. Oh. And she moved to New York the same week I did. Okay. So I had these like four friends and then I met this, I had a party and I, I don't, I'm sure you don't know this, but I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not like, I forget her name. Um, I can't do dates like she does. The, the, the girl from taxi, I can't think of her name. Mm-hmm. Um, but on June 4th, 1966, I had a party and we invited 100 people. We sent invitations to Broadway shows, to the United Nations, to the Metropolitan Opera. And I, I, I can't tell you how many people came. Most of them I didn't know. But there was one fellow who came and he saw that I had a picture of Barbara Streisand in my bedroom. And he said, do you like her? And I said, oh my God, yeah. I've been promoting her in Philadelphia. I first met her in Philly in 1962. And he said, well, she's my best friend. Oh, my God. And his name is Bob Schulenberg. And from that moment on, I had like a gold key to Manhattan. I was in penthouses. I was, I mean, this little kid from Philadelphia. I'm living the high life in New York. And it was a dream and, and add television to that where I was meeting a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of people, famous people, famous writers, all this stuff. I was living something I had only ever dreamed of. And you said yes, because I said yes. And like Bob would say, (laughs) do you want to go to this party with uh, Shelly Winters? And I would say, Oh, okay. <laughs> and we go to the, and then there'd be all these movie stars there, you know, it's like, and then they would get to know who I was and all that. Like I said, it was a dream. 
And I think when I was a kid, because, because my father worked uh, overnight, um, he would sleep during the day and during the summer when he would have to you know, watch me, he would take me to the movie theater. And in those days, you didn't have to leave at the end of the film. He would okay. sleep, he would sleep. And I would watch these movies from like 10 in the morning to 5.30 at night. So movies. And so New York, Hollywood. And it opened up for me when I moved to New York. And I was just, I just so happy. And then when I started uh, working in, I made a movie in 75. And I realized I needed to know how to direct better actors. So I went to HB Studios and studied directing and acting there. And that led to me working with the Jewish Repertory Theater. And I did seven shows there. I was associate and, and, and uh, associate uh, director there. And then a bunch of us did our own theater. We formed our own theater. And we did, our first play was a French play. It was called Pots of Money. Um, and that was the second dream. And that's again, because somebody said, should we form our own company? And I was the first one to say, yes, let's do it. And so that led down that road. So, I mean, it's just, it's just everywhere. But at the same time, even though I was working, I was working, you know, the Today Show, I had to be at work at 3 a.m. And in the beginning, I was there till 10 a.m. When the show finally went to four hours, I was there from 3 a.m. until 1 p.m. every day. Uh, but I wasn't going to just be there. And that's why I started doing all this other stuff. I, I was going to parties. I was, you know, working at everything. I just, New York had to be fun. And I have to yep. say in the 60s and 70s, New York was really fun. Yeah, well... <laughs> It sounds like I'm listening you speak and it, it sounds like it really wasn't work. And I think that that's why the word play is, <clears throat> I think, in your life. I, I like it really doesn't sound like it was work. No, no. And it's interesting. My, my cousin is also a writer. And she, well, I mean, that's an interesting thing, too, about my family, one part of my family. One is a writer, two are actors. One was a singer. One is a composer. Um we 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 are in the arts we're all in the arts which is odd um but she said well i have to get back to my work which is writing i never look at it that way writing is playing for me and i had a great teacher um who i was with for 20 i think 26 years and her whole thing was play just play and writing the writing. It's about letting your imagination run. Yeah. And that's the main thing. And I think that's the same in singing. Yeah. What I like, you like when you speak, I have a girlfriend who's going to be listening <laughs> to this podcast and is going to know right away that I'm talking about her. Uh, she's a writer. <laughs> and, and like, it's so funny because, you know, I work with thoughts. Like I, I see, I see how my thoughts can can just get in the way of me being happy or me being joyful or things like that, right? So that's kind of like my 
my thing. And I'm starting to see with with my friend, she would send me some texts. Like she would say, Jasmine, can you read this out for me? And it's so funny because I can, like, I was able to literally see in her writing, like it was like, flow, 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 thought flow 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 thought like i could literally see oh this yeah this is great i'm interested and then i would like hit a wall like it would literally be like all of a sudden she would have probably judged whatever she wrote like it was no longer a play thing it wasn't it wasn't her being free it was like her judging whatever she was doing and i think that if we want to be in flow we can't be judging ourselves you can absolutely i tell people who are writing i say the last thing you can be is an editor. Mm. You have to, well, one of the things my writing teacher taught me was to sit down the piece of paper, she always liked the pencil and just write. No periods, no, no punctuation, just write, 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 write. And don't worry about anything you're saying. It's for you. And it's not until you finish that, do you know what you want to write about? But don't edit. Edit is the last thing. And I think one of the things, I don't write on the uh, computer. I write longhand. Yeah. And part of that is because on the computer, the tendency is to keep editing. Yeah, you know, especially even, if you have the editor notifying you that that's an error, that's an error. Exactly. Yeah. You know, a little line comes up, wrong yeah. verb or whatever. Yeah. No, no, no. Just let it all out and then come back to it. But one of the things she used to do, which was really funny, was <laughs> I used to like to make things pretty. You know, mm -hmm. oh, the, the blossoms were there and the moon yeah. was up and all that. And I wrote this novella and she said, all right, I want you to turn it inside out. And it began in a, a fancy restaurant with a chandelier and the moon outside. It was very romantic. And so I said, what do you mean inside out? So she wrote the first three sentences. We weren't, we were in a Chinese dive down an alley. There was fly paper hanging in the window. The neon sign, that was what the moon was in the puddle and in the thing. It was totally the opposite. And that taught me that lesson of don't try to make it pretty. It doesn't always work when it's pretty. And, and, and that's kind of where I write right now. I don't write pretty. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's I mean, if the thing that I've been working on, I'm, uh, I, have, I have one friend and I sent him everything. And he's maybe like your friend with you. I, I trust him because also he was with the same writing teacher and I trust him and he's a psychologist. I know where he's coming from and he knows where I'm coming from. And when he, when I sent him what I'm writing, he wrote back and he said, because it's about two nine-year-olds and something that happens. And he said, this may be difficult for a lot of people, but what's really great about it is you have shied away from anything pretty. And for me, that's a huge compliment. Mm. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't want things to be pretty. And it's also in my photography. I, I love, uh, for instance, Richard Abaddon took a picture of Soledad Barrio 
for Noche Flamenca, and it was in the New Yorker, right? The, um, the head of the company hated the photograph because it was so raw. But Avedon had caught the, you know, the rawness of that in her okay. faith and her movement. And it was everything flamenco is about, but it wasn't pretty. And I, I, I kind of where I, I like Diane Arbus and all that, you know, uh, our friend Jerry and I have a friend who lives downstairs who was Diane Arbus's assistant. And he is off the taught me to look at photographs and see movement more than prettiness. Mm. So, so it's like, it's, it's an interesting way to see the world. And now that I'm older, I don't care if anything's pretty. Yeah. I just, I just want it to be the way that I see it. Yeah. It's uh it's, I, I do that too. I see it there. I see differently. I'm, I'm not, I'm not 80, I'm 52. So, but. <laughs> oh my um, God, you're a child. <laughs> I'm a child. Uh, but I do see how I see things differently. How, um, you know, how it, it used to, I used to have my hair done. I used to have my, you know, makeup and, you know, I got to get my eyes and my this and my, not, not that really doesn't matter to me. Um anymore i'm just like you know you're gonna take me the way that i am but you're seeing me at the the purest that i am you know and that's what i i i try to do well you're lucky that it, it's come to you so early mm. it took me much more much longer than that i mean there was a point where i was spending close to two or three thousand dollars a week on clothes Mm. you know, in the 80s, because I suddenly was making money. And then now, I don't even match my socks anymore. Yeah, I don't wear the socks anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I literally don't wear socks anymore. I take my, like, I have shoes that are warm now. And I have boots that are warm. I don't wear socks. Yeah, somebody said to me the other day, because oh, I had shorts on and the socks don't match. And somebody somebody said to me, your socks don't match. And I said, I know. And, <laughs> What's and, your and point? I, well, I mean, I, I think he was telling me that maybe I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said, no, I don't know. No, I know. Why I, do they have to match? Yeah. I'm not impressing anyone. Yeah. I that, think that, that that's cool that we, I, I think that that's so cool to not have to impress anyone. Right. And you especially know? now, especially now. I mean, I just, just today, I found that a very good friend of mine, 65, 65 years we've known each other. He would have been 80 today. He died last week and I didn't mm. know till last night. Mm. And I, I, I came again to the realization today, um, don't hold back. He didn't know he was going a week ago. I talked to him two weeks ago and he said, let's have a drink when we're 80. And it, it, it won't happen. So don't hold back, just let it go. 
I, there's no one I have to impress anymore. The only people that I have to impress is editors. Yes. I, I send my short stories. I just got my first rejection ever on a story. I mean, they've not been printed before. Uh, although, because the, the two books that I worked on, they didn't, they didn't need editors. So, uh, oh. so uh, this short story was, was rejected. And I wasn't even unhappy. It was like, wow, I can't believe it. this is for Granta magazine, which is in London. I said, I can't believe they read my stuff and that they wrote, <laughs> wrote back and they said it just wasn't for them. They didn't say it was bad or anything like that. And I was like, wow, I'm happy. <laughs> Very cool. Right. Believe it or not, it's already been 30 minutes. Oh, my God. But and I don't even know. And I don't even know what I said. <laughs> I told you we were just going to have a conversation. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, well, one of the one of, before you go, one of the funny things I said at the party, I said when I stood up, you know, and banged the, the glass, and I said, "Well, I have something to say." And thirty nine people, thirty five people said, "Oh yeah, like this is something new." <laughs> <laughs> but let me ask you. So let's you know, like it's not like I have a million listeners to my podcast yet, but people sh spread the word, okay? Uh, yeah, everybody's been it because I've told everybody about this. Yeah, they want to know uh, how, how and when to see it. Okay, good. I'm going to tell you. But um, I, for those who are listening, like, in the, let's say they would want to read some of your stuff. What like, I'm guessing they're going to find it on Amazon. The the last book we did, which is called Bandstand Diaries. Okay, that that is on Amazon, and I think uh, that's only like twenty five dollars or something like that. Okay. The first one that I worked on with Dick Clark is called Dick Clark's American Bandstand. That's on Amazon, but it also in some cases, it's over a hundred dollars. Okay. I think because there's so few of them mm -hmm. at this point that was written in 97. Okay. Uh, the other one was just written five years ago, six years ago. Um, but also, <laughs> I think I told you when I think based on the last book, which is called Bandstand Diaries, um, chapter four is my story and some Hollywood producers have bought the rights to it and my life story. And they are in the process now of trying to get it into a six part uh, TV series. That would be cool. Who's going to play you? <laughs> well, you know, that's what I said. Who's ever plays me, they have to be 14. <laughs> or, they, or they have to appear to be 14. Yeah. I could be someone's grandfather, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the other thing. When we did all that stuff in television, I started when I was 12. 12. I was dancing on a show when I was 12. So. Wow. All right. Well, listen, it was a pleasure to have you. And you haven't had me. I haven't had you yet. <laughs> Well, thank you for accepting my invitation. Oh my God. I when you as you know, the minute you asked me, what did I say? You said yes. Right. I didn't even go into what it was. I just said uh, yes. Because I told you I have more fun with you on Saturday than almost anybody. <laughs> thank you. We do, we do. We have a lot of fun. It's about letting it all out. You gotta 
take their hair out and just feel it for crying out loud. Right. And I was so disappointed last week when I hit that great note and it cut out. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, because... Nobody heard it because it was so loud. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I think Gary told me I did that once also. And because my I was too close, so now I'm like backing up from my mic, hoping that you guys can still hear it. Well, remember in the beginning, Haley? Yeah. And she would go all the way in the back of the room and sing. I didn't meet Haley then. Oh, oh. I guess I wasn't there. Yeah. Um, but I know sometimes Colleen's voice, because it's so high, yeah. cuts out. Yeah. So so now yeah. the song that I'm singing Saturday, I'm going to sing that way. all right well thank you for accepting my invitation this was fantastic guys if you want to you know tell us what you thought of this episode you gotta write us a nice comment and tell us that you send love to us we want love and i'll answer anything he'll he'll answer anything guys so ask ask and he shall answer (laughs) definitely (laughs) so Thank you. And everybody else, I'm going to say, dream it, dare it, do it. Just live the life that you want. And I'll see you next week. Take care. Bye.